Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Here's the thing to remember about the Capitol rioters. It wasn't a coup. We don't really do coups here. We do. America does coups in other countries. They tried to do a coup, but it wasn't well planned because uh, they're morons and they got suckered. They're cucks. Okay. They're a bunch of cucks, which is what they accuse others of being. But they're a tight little crew. So what we will call them is the Ku Cux clan. Welcome to Sanity Cast. Hello, this is Sanity Cast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is the helpful little podcast about how not to go insane when the Christians elect Caligula. And believe me, the people who elected him aren't going anywhere, even if he is. We are having a very special episode all about the impeachment. Professor Corey Brettschneider, the author of The Oath and the Office, a guide to the U.S. Constitution for Future Presidents, professor of political science at Brown University, joins us to talk all about the impeachment and all the ins and outs and questions we didn't know we still had after last year. But here's the main thing I'm going to say about it. Congratulations, everybody who stood tall against Bush for all those years. Maybe you realize you were suckered by Bush and then you wised up, but you stood tall. And under the Trump era, you stood tall against all this madness. And like the Bush era, you're going to be proven right again. He's the first president to be impeached two times, to be divorced two times, and he also lost the popular vote two times, which makes him the two-timing president. And I don't know what you guys thought of what we saw last week, the uh, anti-Antifa intifada, but to see 10 Republicans cross over, which makes it by far the most bipartisan impeachment in history, 10 Republicans understand how history works. 197 Republicans really want to go down in history as saying, this guy lied for months that the election was stolen until it led to violence. And we not only voted as white people to throw out millions of black votes in states we don't come from, we're also going to say no biggie. 197 Republicans are the Ku Klux Klan. There was no mass election fraud. Thousands of dead people did not vote. Machines did not switch votes. Donald Trump in two years has lost the House and lost the Senate and lost the White House. He's the first one-term president in Herbert Hoover to pull that off. He's the only one-term impeached president to lose the popular vote twice, and he's now been impeached twice. He added $8 trillion to the national debt, 400,000 U.S. COVID-19 deaths. He lied to the people who believed him over 26,000 times, and I can prove it. He never 
provided a health care plan. He never provided an infrastructure package. He caged migrant children. He has visited Trump properties for about almost a third of the days of his presidency, which means he's been paid by us directly into his bank account for almost a third of the days of his presidency. Mexico never paid for a wall. North Korea now has more nukes. Iran is now more dangerous. Climate change is still real. Brad Parscale, still a crook. Steve Bannon, still a crook. And Stevie, again, no pardon. Rick Gates, convicted. Manafort will always be a crook. Papadopoulos, convicted. I don't care about your pardons. Michael Flynn, convicted. I'm sorry, Michael Flynn pled guilty twice. Yeah, pled guilty twice, and he got pardoned. Michael Cohen, who's become the most likable of the lot. Roger Stone, criminal. Trump, criminal. He never contained the virus. He crashed your economy. He destroyed our international reputation. There are at least six lawsuits that we know of waiting him, waiting for him as a private citizen. Hillary Clinton never got locked up. Stooges, Donald Trump's own DOJ exonerated her. He did manage to hurt Obamacare, yes, but all that means is the number of uninsured went down under Obama and went up under Trump. Russia's laughing at us. Democrats have the presidency. Democrats have the House. Democrats have the Senate. The U.S. Capitol is now the site of a homicide investigation. And while it's very sad that Sheldon Adelson has passed away, the huge GOP donor, at least he lived long enough to see himself spend $75 million for nothing. It's really bad. Don't fight these Trump supporters anymore, loved ones. They're going to grow old defending this guy. That's punishment enough. Let them do it. Let them grow old and bitter defending Donald Trump. It's not going to get better for Trump supporters. You've been saying all along, they're the ones who've been crazy, and it's only going to get easier. And I promise, Mitch McConnell's happy about this. Liz Cheney voted to impeach him. What does it say when the most moral person in your party was raised by Dick Cheney? Hmm? Kevin McCarthy would love to do it, but 10 voted to do it. Schumer is urging the FBI to bar all rioters that have been identified in the mob from boarding commercial flights. That's interesting. The Joint Chiefs of Staff did something they've never done. They condemned the actions last Wednesday and warned all current enlisted military to obey the law and their oaths and reminded them who will be the president on January 20th, 2021. Uh, What kind of country do we live in when the Joint Chiefs of Staff have to issue this statement? It's madness. Bill Belichick refused to take a presidential medal of honor from Trump. Uh, Ali Alexander, key organizer, of the Capitol Malay said he was getting help inside from three members of Congress. That's going to be interesting. The president lost his Twitter feed. The president has been kicked to the curb by the PGA. Yes, folks, he's so awful. Golf has grown bored of him. And he's impeached twice. We mentioned that the DC attorney general is investigating Trump for incitement in Florida. uh, They're demanding Rick Scott resign from his new gig uh, on the NRSC. Think about the fact that all these corporations have pulled their funding for any Republicans who voted to overturn the votes last week. And don't kid yourself. This is all about white supremacy. These were white Republicans voting to have black votes thrown out. Mike Pompeo had to cancel his Europe trip after Luxembourg's former minister blew him off. Dude, he got blown off by the Pope last fall, and now Luxembourg's turning him down for dates. The New York State Bar Association is considering expelling Rudy Giuliani. 
Walmart will no longer fund any of the election objectors, along with Marriott, Citibank, AT&T, and Dow, halting political donations to all Republican lawmakers who voted against certifying the election results because it wasn't rigged. The FBI has had over 100,000 pieces of digital media sent to them from the public to identify these motherfuckers. They've opened 160 case files. They said even if you left D.C., agents from our local field offices will be knocking on your door. More than 300 historians and constitutional scholars, including Ron Chernow, Hamilton guy, they wrote an open letter saying Trump is a clear and present danger to American democracy. And Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank, Hitler's own, is dumping him, and he owes them at least $400 million. Folks, no matter how bad it gets, always remember, you had a better day than Donald Trump. You know what I hate? When your social media pops up with a summer vacation pic from like five years ago, and it's great memories, but you're like, uh, when did the wrinkles and the bags around the eyes show up? Delete, delete. Well, not this summer. Let's say no more pop-up pics with deep wrinkles, fine lines, and bags under the eyes. And I'm not talking about surgery. I'm talking about Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags all in the comfort of your home in minutes. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody will know your secret. I tried it, and I look like me, just younger, healthier, and better rested. The results will blow you away. Get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer in the mirror, and in photos. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention VOICES. Again, visit TryPlexiderm.com and use code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack when you use code VOICES. I'm always happy to have any chance to discuss politics and the law with Professor Corey Brettschneider. He, of course, uh, works for the poli-sci department at Brown University. But uh, since the 2016 election, you've probably seen him on your TV a lot. He's written killer analyses of the administration for Politico, the New York Times, Time Magazine. Uh, Get his book, The Oath and the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents, at your favorite bookstore. And get all of his books because it seems like uh, last year he published a piece for Penguin Press on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's decisions. And the man seems to be one step ahead of the headlines. Professor Brett Schneider, Happy New Year. Welcome. Uh, Happy New Year. And uh, looking forward to this conversation. It's unbelievable how much we have to talk about. What a moment in history. I mean, your latest volume for the Penguin series is called On Impeachment, the Presidency on Trial. I bet you didn't think that you were going to have that book be an impeachment sandwich coming out right (laughs) in between two, a year apart. Well, we were, I was just talking to the publicity people and we were thinking like, hmm, it's good that we did this to educate America, but I guess no one will really be interested in this anymore. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we did not predict well, that we, there would be a, a insurrection <laughs> that would and prompt impeachment. But I, I just, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's so great for civics, as awful as it is both the Trump administration and the pandemic, Um, both the Trump administration and the pandemic have forced a lot of Americans to pay a lot more attention to what's going on in their government. And so I I think the reason we had such a high voter turnout was because so many people were locked at home during the pandemic and just paid much more attention to the election and understood how high the stakes were than in the average year. And again, I give Trump credit for that too. His awfulness drove a lot of people to the polls. But I mean, 
I, I'm surprised how many people have been calling my SiriusXM show with so many questions about the impeachment and the particulars about it. Because let's be honest, this has never happened. No president has ever been impeached twice. And now we've only had four presidential impeachments in our country's history. And Trump owns half of them. That's right. I mean, volume two of the impeachment book will have to only be about Trump. It'll be Trump versus the Constitution. Uh, on civic education, I mean, I think that that's, that's the ideal. That, and I know that you and I will work to try to promote that idea that Americans learn to take the law and the Constitution seriously. And if that kind of recovery is what comes out of this, then we're all the better as a nation. But I don't think it's inevitable. You know, he's still got, it's true, his support is plummeting today. I saw him at about 33%. But that means basically, you know, one out of three Americans is sympathetic to this person who is really an enemy of the Constitution is he both incited an insurrection. We could talk about that word incited. I do think that he incited it uh, within the legal meaning. Uh, and also he, you know, cert- certainly knew it was going to happen and he supported it. And, you know, that's one third of the America supporting him. That suggests that we really are in trouble as a nation and have really failed in an emergency kind of way when it comes to, to, to basic civics. And I think in the same way that, you know, we we put the nation's money and energy behind a, uh, the urge to get into space, behind science, we've got to do the same when it comes to civics right right now. And, and you know, I feel good about what we've been doing, the two of us on this podcast and on Sirius XM, really trying to educate America about the basic principles and, and legal requirements of the Constitution. Oh, I give us incredible credit for nearly saving the republic, Professor, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. Yeah. I mean, if I guess we have to take the blame, too, though, for the fact that we not only failed, but there was an insurrection. So <laughs> the good and the bad have to come together. Well, and, and I think the language counts. I wanted to talk, obviously, about the impeachment, but also about the atrocity at the Capitol last week. And insurrection really is the right term. Riot really is the right term. I'm finding more and more in the era of Trump and in the era of Me Too, it's just important to be very specific in our language. Uh, A lot of folks on both sides have called it a coup. I think that has always been an inappropriate term for what we saw last week. Uh, You know, it it certainly was an incompetent coup. Um, And if it was a coup, they got suckered. You know what I'm saying? I think actually this is the birth of what I'm calling the coup cucks. And they are the coup cucks clan. But a coup is what our government does overseas. Like it's not something that you do to our government. You have to have the media, you have to have the military to stage a coup. This was a raid, a riot. Is insurrection a fair term? Uh, I certainly think it's an insurrection. I'd even consider the word. They're certainly not successful coup, but but you know, terribly failed coup might be right or self coup. I mean, when a president tries to just remain in power and become a dictator, that's a form of coup, um, you know, that, that um, er, some people like Erdogan or think of uh, sort of the collapse of Latin American democracies, presidential systems into dictatorship. That's what happens. And even though it wouldn't certainly have been enough to have that, that event at the Capitol, it might have played a role in a deeper, more pernicious plot. So I don't have evidence that this is what Trump was planning. But I'll give you an example. Uh, General Flynn has been urging this, what we all thought was a crazy plan, and we've heard about it because there have been media reports, to declare martial law. And the thought was once martial law is declared, he could declare the election was a fraud, invalid, and and retain power. Now that would, of course, take the military to back him. 
Um, but, you know, one of the things, and, the, you know, I, I hate the analogy with Weimar and the collapse because it's so extreme. But in this instance, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk for the four years. Where is his Reichstag fire? The Nazis planned the burning of the legislative <laughs> building and then stayed, uh, used it to stay in power. Now, it would have been a totally incompetent move, but maybe that was the idea that this was the sort of emergency situation that he would use as a pretext to declare martial law. I'm not saying this is definitely what was in his mind, but the man is a lunatic. He is crazy. He is not strategic. And uh, all of these wild, far-fetched ideas, uh, including, remember, he did try to use the Insurrection Act to try to call up the military and uh, suppress protest. So all these weird things might have been adding up in his head to a true attempt to try to stay in power, you know, for a supposedly, maybe he really believes it, uh, way of combating this, this, what he thinks of as a coup by the Democrats, a, a fraudulent election. Yes, well, that they, sounds wild, but this is a wild man we're talking about. It's a fraudulent election that the Democrats rigged so they could win the White House, yeah. lose seats in the House of Representatives, yeah. and not win the Senate on Election Day itself. It was the most bizarre rigging I've ever seen. Um, you know something, John, on that point, there is a really, I think that's crucial you know, you're, you're picking up on something that I wish I saw people reporting more, that there's just a weird inconsistency in that they think that the, the votes for president were fraudulent, but the votes that led to them winning victories in the Congress were not. But maybe the way to see it is, you know, these people who invaded the Congress obviously don't have respect uh, for anyone but the president. And, you know, one of them said on uh, a podcast I ju just heard on The Daily, I think, uh, President Trump invited us here. And to them, he's all that matters. And yeah. the fact that these people, even Republicans in Congress are there, you know, maybe they're just illegitimate um, uh, sort of appendages of the Democrats. It, it, nothing matters to the Trumpistas except for Trump. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, at least Mussolini was a competent fascist. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, those the trains, trains have run. not been running on time in the United States. Yeah. Mussolini made the trains run on time. Donald Trump's never taken public transportation until he flew Air Force One. Yeah. But, you know, I don't. I don't find it weird at all that they would have this double standard, Corey. I think it's actually yeah. very normal for them. And every day, I thank God for America's incompetent fascists, like right. both in the Bush and Cheney administration and now under Trump. Thank you, Jehovah. <laughs> the our authoritarians are so bad at their jobs. I don't think it's inappropriate to compare this to the Weimar Republic and to bring up the Reichstag yeah, fire. Yeah. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a highly acclaimed video last week. Yep. The best review. Right, I watched it. Yeah. Actually, that's the best review any of his films have gotten in about 30 years. <laughs> but he did I did the like Terminator and I like that. The rest I did not like. I like the second Terminator. Uh, you know, uh, True Lies is great if you hate Muslims. Uh, but he... He invoked Kristallnacht. His whole yes. video is about comparing this to Kristallnacht, not in terms of the, the intention, but in a way it is the same intention. They were both to seize power. In many ways, I think that the Third Reich um, comparisons when fair are actually important because they're easier to grasp, much yeah. in the same way that this impeachment is sadly a lot easier for folks to understand than a year ago. Wait, he coerced the president of another country? Where is Ukraine on the map? Wait, wait. This has been very black and white. These pictures we saw were black and white. And what a year to see how uh, the U.S. Congress, when they want to get something done, both parties can do it, whether it's rushing Amy Coney Barrett or impeaching a president yeah. a week later for something. 
Yeah. I'll say too on the on the comparison, and you know, I, I'm leery of going there, but I did go there, and I'm glad you're with me and thinking it's appropriate. Uh, and Arnold is, of course, too. The but the you know the the thing that really scares me is that Hitler was a joke when people yeah. talked about him early on. It was that he was a buffoon, not a threat, and uh, he had a failed coup, right? The beer hall uh, uh, coup, the beer hall push, the push. Uh, and uh, you know. Yes, sorry, I, my German, even though my last name is Brettschneider, it's not terrific. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a dress rehearsal for something that came, you know, later and was successful. So, you know, that's why we can't regard it as a joke. There is some commentary, I think some of the worst commentary, that says he's not a fascist because he's weak. That's not a uh, opposition. It's not fascism uh, or weak. <laughs> there are, are, as you said, wannabe aspirational fascist. That's what he is, of course. And even within his own party, people are saying that. Uh, Steve Calabresi, the fa- founder of the Federal Society, called him a uh, fascist on the New York Times That's op-ed right. page. Internal members of his administration said, uh, this week we were wrong. He what? He is a fascist. We didn't think so, but now we see, uh, you know, a little too too late for that. Uh, but his weakness <laughs> is, is something... anti-fascist for... Three years. Who would have guessed he was fascist? <laughs> they joined Antifa in the last three days of administration. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, like if you had told anybody, say, in 1966 that Nixon would be president, they'd laugh at you. Right. And if you told anybody in 1976 that Ronald Reagan, the movie actor, would be president, they'd laugh at you. And if you told anyone in 2006 that Donald Trump would be president, they'd laugh at you. So I, I do understand. You can ask five dead people in the Capitol how weak this man is. A cult of personality is a, a, a strong historical phenomena, and it's something we've never really seen in this country. Barack Obama was popular. He was a celebrity. He did not have a cult of personality that would do his bidding the way we've seen here. I, I This reminded me, of anything, of Andrew Jackson when he took office in the presidency and his hooligan friends overran the White House. But that was just in a spirit of partying, nothing like this destruction we've seen. Right. No, this was, I mean, let's, you know, just... Pause for a second. People died, were killed. Uh, the reports, incredible media. At first, I, I couldn't believe it was true. I had to check multiple sources that one of the representatives had her panic button taken out ahead yes. of time. Yep. Uh, this the was whole system, the entire panic button system was ripped out of her office. I spoke to the chief of staff for congressman um, uh Two days ago, when we were discussing the the piece that that you and I are about to talk about in the Washington Post, and uh, he said, you know, there there were pipe. I, I guess I had seen this, but he clarified there definitely were pipe bombs set to go off. There were guns brought into this chamber. Could have been a lot worse. They were looking for Nancy Pelosi. It was a planned assassination. It looks like, and uh, or maybe mass assassination. People had um, these zip ties that were used to, uh, you know, to to handcuff people. I saw one of the right wingers comment, everybody's got zip ties. Well, you don't bring them in, <laughs> in that style. And I, my zip ties don't look like that, by the way. But, the, 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 you know, bring them in and into the in carrying them in this manner that looks like you're going to arrest people. Exactly. Uh, you know, so that's why coup, I know it sounds strong, but I think it might have been some sort of ill-planned, ill-advised, certainly ill-organized, in some ways ridiculous coup. But, you know, what did that beer hall Imagine that you and I are doing a 
a podcast after the beer hall. Can you say the word for me? Uh, push, push. <laughs> thank you. And, uh, you know, what was that commentary like? It was like, oh, that Hitler guy was really ridiculous. And yeah, that's what it would have been. <laughs> Good luck on your painting in jail, Adolf. Yeah, it's like a failed artist, this guy. Exactly. <laughs> like never going to threaten the free world. And, you know, it turned out. That he turned out a big danger, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's when they sent him to jail that he learned how to devote his talents to writing, and the rest is very ugly history. You know, so let's let's talk about impeachment, Corey. This is uh, the only precedence to lose the popular vote twice and be impeached twice. The 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 first this man has. There's a lot of them, but we've of course learned a year ago uh, how the impeachment process works. So it's kind of nice that. Yeah, most of us have a civics primer, but what's interesting, and this is something that uh, you know you wrote about in the Washington Post, we've talked about self pardons, which no one seems to really believe this president can do. We're not sure; it's never been tried. But now, um, in your piece, you said Trump can't pardon himself or other insurrectionists. Impeachment would strip him. Of that power. Uh, I have many questions. The first of which is impeachment itself can't strip him a pardon power. It would take removal, a, a vote to convict and remove by the Senate, correct? Well, we're saying something controversial. And, you know, I don't want to pretend that this is widely accepted, but we think that for, for a very long time, uh, legal commentators have gotten wrong. And we, I should say, is me and Jeffrey Tulis, who's a professor. Uh, at the University of Texas, and one of the foremost experts on the presidency. He's the author of what I think of as one of the best books on the overall structure of the presidency called The Rhetorical Presidency. And he and I have been looking uh, back at the founding documents and the origins of the idea that when the Constitution says that the president has the power to pardon, and this is a quote, except in cases of impeachment, that the commentators throughout history have really gotten that wrong. And the Supreme Court has never definitively said what those words mean. But the usual understanding in history is the following, that all it means is that the president can't stop the House of Representatives from pursuing an impeachment of either the president himself or a judge or any other public official, that they have the right to do it, and that the president can't undo a punishment inflicted by the Senate, like disqualification from office. That's what we call the traditional view But to be blunt, our argument is, and and this is a new argument, but it's starting to catch on on, you know, other legal uh, uh, commentators, two of them, and one in the jurist, one in the Hill, have endorsed it. And I'm starting to see journalists write about it. And and there's a debate between those who think that is what it means and what we think. And we think the traditional view is wrong. Why? Because when you look at the founding, there was a concern to ensure that the president didn't team up with uh, traitors and try to use the pardon power as a way of protecting and shielding yes. traitors and insurrection, basically. And we think that, although a lot of the commentators have thought, well, that that was only relevant to the idea that the the pardon power should not include treason, an idea that the the founders rejected on September fifteenth. We think that when they wrote the words, except in cases of impeachment, on August twenty fifth that they had in mind the idea of some more limited way of the House of Representatives being able to, and the House of Representatives alone, being able to 
uh, stop a president from pardoning co-conspirators when they've been using the impeachment uh, in case of impeachment. And now why is that? Because impeachment is really the main way that we have to stop a president. And if they can't stop a president from using the pardon power to undo all of their ability to, to, to restrict his or her power uh, in, in the meantime, before the Senate can even vote, uh, it'll become an anemic power. So we think they added that as a way of, of protecting the impeachment process and the impeachment power. And then, you know, it's not just a guess, because when you look at what James Madison said in uh, the ratifying conventions in Virginia, it turns out that he says something very unusual. He says that the House alone basically has the power to suspend the president's power of pardoning. Now, we don't go that far, but, you know, we think, wow, there was something weird going on here with when it came to pardoning and impeachments. It's just not clear what this phrase means. And we, we think more than that, let me just get to the bottom line, that because the history is so, and I'll just use the word weird or unclear or a black box, that we should use common sense. And you know what? The Supreme Court uses common sense all the time. They appeal to the structure of the Constitution to the values of the Constitution, and just the main idea that you see repeatedly in constitutional cases, that the Constitution is not a suicide pact. And that's what we're trying to say here. Look, if the president's allowed to pardon co-conspirators in a a case related to, to impeachment, in this case, the insurrection, he has the power to undo the impeachment power, and that can't be allowed to stand. So we're saying the history is unclear it's not the case that it means the traditional thing. We know that from these weird sequences of events, and we, we could talk more about it. We know the framers were really concerned about this problem of pardoning co-conspirators, traitors, uh, and that they thought that impeachment was a way of doing it. And we're saying common sense says that the way to read it is to say that the pardon power is restricted in a case of impeachment and in matters related for instance, to the impeachment charges, in this case, the incitement and the insurrection. So that was a lot. I know. Yeah, that settles everything. I have no further questions. <laughs> so just to sum up my questions, self-pardoning has never been tried before, but we should probably anticipate it happening. It doesn't seem like a safe legal strategy for Trump because the founders were pretty sure didn't want a king who was always above the law. Those he pardoned already this year, their pardons will always be safe because he was acquitted last year. But it is possible that he cannot pardon anyone now between his impeachment and the subsequent trial in the Senate, which won't happen until after he leaves office. And it is certain that he would not be able to pardon anyone who was rioting in the Capitol that day because it is it is connected to the impeachment itself. If he were to be, say, acquitted in two days by the Senate in a trial, would he then still have a few days left in his term to pardon anyone who rioted in the Capitol? Not that I think he would, because he's never cared about his supporters before. Why start now? So certainly uh, on the uh, first a couple just points of, of strong agreement that absolutely – uh, this is a way of stopping a self-pardon. There are other ways of doing it, but we think this is the best way and the clearest way right now. Uh, it certainly would stop him right now from uh, after the House impeachment and before the Senate action from pardoning any of the co-conspirators. We know now, too, by the way, that the, the Senate trial is going to almost certainly be after Biden is president. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's not the case that um, uh, he's going to regain the pardon power. Uh, so it's it's you know, relevant in this interim, but I'm going to, and now you might find this a surprise, and this is a controversial part of what we're saying, 
But one of the things that James Madison says that we found really provoked us to this thought is that he talks about the House alone, that it's the power of impeachment. And the thought is this, that the pardon power is so dangerous when it comes to pardoning co-conspirators that it's that looks like M- Madison never talks about regaining it upon acquittal. And maybe our way of doing it, or I shouldn't say maybe, the way we argue it is, this is such a dangerous power that we think that the once once the House impeaches, that's enough. An acquittal by the Senate is an acquittal when it comes to disqualification or when it comes to questions of, um, uh, you know, a president doesn't get removed from office. But we do think that at least in cases of impeachment, that the pardon power has to be revoked. So we think, for instance, that the Roger Stone pardon is invalid. And um, I've talked really? to lawyers, for instance, about about challenging it, that the Flynn pardon is invalid. And that eventually, if uh, uh, the future Justice Department wants to revisit that, they could challenge these pardons in court using our arguments. So that's who would decide then. It would not be anything citizenry could do. It would depend on a future Justice Department that wanted to revisit these pardons and see whether they could be undone. Correct. Uh, we did try, I, I suggested to a group uh, that they try to challenge the the, um, the Stone pardon, which they tried by intervening as citizens. Um, you can file amicus briefs basically as a professor. And they actually did it with a, a different professor, a colleague of mine, uh, to try to challenge the Stone pardon. And the judge said, oh, it's not in my court. She just ducked it entirely. So there are ways of doing it besides the Justice Department, but certainly the most obvious way to challenge the Stone, the Flynn, and any insurrection pardon, a pardon of Giuliani, a pardon of John, Don Jr. for his role in this incitement uh, would come from a future Justice Department, yes, in court. Who's left to pardon? I mean, we're, what are we? What are we thinking he's going to do? Like, who? Who exact? Like Idi Amin? Who's he going to pardon in the next several days uh, beyond himself, which most legal experts think wouldn't hold up, and his immediate family, which would be seen by all as an admission of guilt. I'm worried about Giuliani, certainly. Although I mm. saw today. Thankfully, he's not going to pay Giuliani, so maybe that means he won't get a pardon. The real danger is he'll pardon in mass, and he you know, has the, the right to do this in a normal circumstance. We think not in a case of impeachment, but all the insurrectionists. He could do a mass pardon for all charges for anyone involved in this, and that would be heroic to his base. I'm sure he's considering it, mm-hmm. and uh, absent our argument, it would be upheld. That's why it's so important, we think, to be making these arguments. You know, in a way, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if he did, Corey, because really? it would be the clearly the most stupid, short-sighted thing he'd ever done. Yeah. Can you imagine if he tried to pardon these terrorists who desecrated the Capitol building? He would be destroyed, as it is now. I happen to think that there's a good chance there won't even be a Senate trial. I can envision uh-huh. a scenario where he's impeached, he leaves, and they say, we'll have the trial after President Biden's first 100 days. And then Biden comes out and says, folks, I don't want there to be a Senate trial. I want us to move forward. He'll do that whole speech, the entire monologue, of, you know, the Gerald Ford, we have to go forward. Yeah, Gerald Ford, yeah. And that will make the liberals angry, which will make yes. Biden look better to centrists, which is why yeah. they like to make liberals angry so much because it makes yeah. them look better to the center. I'm sure the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate won't mind because they won't want to have this trial. It'll be seen as being behind us. Donald Trump will already be gone and his voice will be so diminished. Yeah. And honestly, I think that that is the best way out for them in many ways. And it could be a win-win scenario for the Democrats. I don't really see the point beyond depriving Donald Trump of getting the pension 
and depriving Donald Trump of the travel budget that ex-presidents get, which would be seen maybe as punitive. And I don't think they would ever get the 17 Republicans necessary to flip as it is. It seems like it would be a chance for Democrats to have it both ways, where they can impeach this motherfucker, but then Biden can come in and, you know, play Gandhi and transcend all of this. Yeah, I could see that strategic argument. I mean, I'll tell you where where I am on this, and I've thought a lot about it. First, I think that Ford's pardon of Nixon was one of the worst mistakes really in American history because, uh, you know, it sort of sent the message to future presidents, to Trump in particular, that the, what's the worst that's going to happen to you? You're going to, you're going to, uh, you know, you, you'll get away with it in the end, even, even if they, they bring you down temporarily. So I, I'm really for holding him to full account, not just, I don't think, I know Biden won't pardon him, uh, but when it comes to disqualification for office is what I'm really focused on. And, and uh, the reason for that is, I think back to when he was running and so many of my friends and family members said, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if the Republicans nominate Trump because he'll lose. And you, you might say, well, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they just avoid the, the trial. He's not going to win the nomination. But I think he could rise from the dead. Uh, he's done it before. He's extremely talented at this. And disqualification makes it clear, no, he cannot come back ever again. See, and I think that would be, I think, I think strategically <laughs> that would be a big mistake for the Democrats. That the it smart, could just enrage the part, the other side. That's no, 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 point. not even that. The smartest yeah. thing that Putin did to me yeah. was taking advantage of the deep, deep Bernie versus Hillary divisions in the Democratic Party and the left, which still exist. In a 24-hour period this week, I was attacked brutally by Hillary Clinton fans for saying something uh, factual positive about Bernie and I was attacked by Bernie fans for insufficient hatred for Hillary. And that's still there waiting to be exploited again. In the Republican Party, this is a golden opportunity if you want to talk the politics of the moment, because yeah. if the Democrats ban Trump from running again, first off, they'll never get there. They're never going to get 17 Republicans to cross over. Trump could eat a baby and they still wouldn't do it. Mm. And so by leaving the window open that Trump could run again in 2024, which scares some people. We must remember that there are Republicans who voted for Trump in 2020 mm. who would not vote for him again after what we saw last week. There are independents who voted for Trump in 2020 because they don't like abortion mm. or they believe these lies about you know defund the police. And those people would not vote for Donald Trump again. So if Donald Trump is eligible to run, what he does essentially is freeze all the Republican potential presidential candidates, the Rubios, the Nikki Haley's, the Ted Cruz's, they can't do anything because their fundraising, their campaigning, their strategies will depend on what individual one does. Down in Florida, on his videos, even though he's banned <laughs> from YouTube and there's no parlor anymore and he's banned from Facebook and Twitter, right. I mean, his voice is going to get so much smaller and we're going to really see how much influence he has over the rest of the party when he can't reach as many people. But I'm sorry for carrying on so long and monologuing yeah, yeah. about it, but I think from a strategic point of view, uh, Democrats have nothing to worry about Donald Trump rising again. I don't see a way and I could be wrong. But I don't yeah. see a way after what we saw. He owns this the way Bush owns Katrina, Corey. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually think that Donald Trump, keeping Donald Trump in the game is a great way to hobble your opponent if you're trying to, you know, protect labor rights, women's rights, the environment and human life. I think one of the, you know, and, and this I think goes to, to a lot of your points, that one smart thing for the Democrats at this stage to do, and I think McConnell wants to do this too, is not to do anything right now, but to just pause, wait the 100 days, 
get the agenda through, let Trump become completely diminished, because I think what's going to happen over the next 100 days is those charges in New York, Letitia James, the attorney general, Cyrus Vance, the Manhattan district attorney, they're going to start looking at him, uh, assuming that, that, well, even if he does try the self-pardon, there'll be charges by the Manhattan, uh, by the Washington uh, DC attorney general for incitement, I think, uh, uh, maybe sedition, um, all sorts of um, uh, uh, criminal charges connected to his, the events of the storming of the Capitol. Uh, if in 100 days after Biden takes power, uh, so, you know, about 100, 100 days plus a week, uh, Trump is so weak, maybe they will have the two-thirds vote because he won't be a threat. And the, even the Josh Hawley's will think, oh, I can knock this guy off. He's not going to possibly threaten me in four years. And uh, if those votes are there, then I think go ahead. And, and that might be a way to, to see it, to, to really see in 100 days, do we have the votes or not? And if we do, I don't see any harm in doing it. I would love to knock them off. Maybe it'll anger some Trump supporters. But, but um, that's, that's the way that I'd, I'd go about it, to pause and then assess the strategy based on where we are in 100 days. It might be that he's so deeply unpopular if his approval is at 20 percent. Uh, the principle of, of denouncing him, the uh, idea that he attacked democracy and doesn't have a right to run again, all those would be a good thing. And what really matters, you know, even aside from the question of whether he could win, is depriving him of, of the funds. He's raised all this money that can be used for so much destruction. And even if he couldn't win, the act of running, which he might think is profitable and so do it, uh, would be all about riling up the white supremacists, the uh, you know militia people. And uh, I don't want to see that happen. And so I, I think if we've got the opportunity to do it and we have the votes in 100 days, let's do it. Wow. So we've already sort of covered your piece for The Guardian then. Because, <laughs> uh, well, but, but it all springs back. You, you're in your piece in The Guardian, we must impeach Trump and bar him from holding office again. You point out how imperative it is that Congress ensures this president never takes power again. And I think we're both talking about the same thing, just different ways getting there. But I wanted yeah. to ask you, last year when he was impeached on two counts, uh, you and I both agreed at the time that it was kind of unfortunate they didn't throw the book at him, that they didn't yeah. impeach him on 20 counts, impeach him for Puerto Rico, impeach him for the emoluments clauses, impeach him on 15 counts and let Republican gov- senators say, well, I voted to acquit him on 14 out of 15. They could have done it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, the resolution they introduced this week uh, is with chargement, uh, incitement of insurrection. Also cited the Constitution's 14th Amendment, noting that it prohibits any person who has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States from holding office. Now, whether or not that indicates they're moving towards voting to disqualify him at some point. Last year, they impeached him for abuse of power. And considering the point the Democrats were hammering home in their speeches on impeachment day was this riot happened because this president lied for months about the results of the election. That's the real story here, right? Like there were no thousands of dead people voting. That was all a lie. And no, they were not flipping votes in machines and there was no mass election fraud. Those five people are dead. The Capitol was ransacked because of this man's lies. Wouldn't it have made sense to just tack on another abuse of power article of impeachment this year, considering this case is a lot easier to understand than President Zelensky? <laughs> um, you know, I, I've i gone back and forth. I think that they wanted to just take the most raw – it was a similar decision that they made last time where they wanted to take the most 
raw form of the obvious violation here, which was the not just incitement to violence. One thing that I think would be helpful for listeners to hear is it's incitement to violence with the aim of overturning a democratic election. There's nothing more paradigmatic, right? High crime and misdemeanor than that. And and you know, if it was like four weeks ago and he was doing that, it would have been different than doing it the day, the moment of the counting of votes. That's what makes it so pernicious. So I think they thought this is just so obvious and the symbol that they had written it. Uh, Congressman uh, Cicilline, uh, Congressman Liu wrote, wrote this, my understanding is in their offices as the Capitol was being attacked. They, they were quarantining together. And, uh, you know, I think there's something powerful about that symbol, the focus there. But that said, as, as you pointed out, you know, I did in the last impeachment like you want to see this both strategically and also as a matter of principle much larger list, you know, that it's unlikely to happen at this point, but the House could still do it. They could still pass more articles of impeachment and send them on before <laughs> the Senate trial. And uh, now that we've got the full reporting, by the way, I, sh- I should add this, we know what happened. Uh, and this, by the way, one, one objection to my last argument about Stone being uh, a case of impeachment and so the president not being able to pardon him. Uh, I said that because the article of impeachment included Stone, even though it wasn't a focus on the Mueller investigation uh, for which Stone's obstruction was was the basis of his charges that he was then pardoned for. But we know now that what they what they thought they were doing, and I think this is very similar to the strategy here, is that they had 10 articles of impeachment that included a focus on Mueller. And then they tried to fold it into one just to make it concise, but to reference all of these different abuses of power. And that's why the title was Abuse of Power, Not Ukraine. And I think here, you know, it's a similar sort of thing that they're trying to say that this insurrection is really the culmination of of many different events. And this is just the pure focus. So I don't agree with that. I'm with you. You know, we've had the same view since the last time of throw the book at them, outline all of the charges of the impeachment. And, you know, this piece that I tried to Right when we first met Trump versus the Constitution, I I had a similar sort of approach. Like, let me show you every single provision, basically, of the Constitution this president has proposed violating it. And I would like that style. They have a different style. And but I I guess I want to say at the same time, even though I don't agree, I respect the sort of power of it. And uh, I did read it and I did find it, you know, to really speak to why this was such a terrible moment in American history. Well, it was also announced that Don Jr. is under a criminal investigation in the District of Columbia for his role in inciting the insurrection. Uh, and New York City has just severed all contacts with the, all contracts with the Trump organization due to yes. criminal activity, which means I get to bring my kid to the Central Park Carousel again yes. because his fecal <laughs> corporate name won't be sp- spread all over it. Uh, the fact that D.C., is investigating Don Jr. It makes it very apparent that D.C. is investigating his dad as well. Yes. You know, we, we also know the insurrection was an inside job. What do you think will or should happen to GOP members who might be found to have assisted the rioters? What is the appropriate remedy? Well, I think I mentioned that that frightening example of having the panic button yeah. move. There was also reporting about um, GOP members giving tours of the Capitol to the rioters ahead of time and sort of yep. taking the place. Uh, I think the, the first, most immediate thing is uh, both sanction and expulsion from the body. You can't 
serve in Congress. If you're trying to have an insurrection, that's that's a no-brainer. And Congress has a, uh, each of the houses can expel its own members. Um, so that's for starters. And then, of course, charges should be brought. Prosecute them to the full extent of the law. And uh, if you have criminals in the Capitol, they're criminals. And uh, they, there is no argument that members of Congress have an immunity for um, uh, in the way that, that presidents supposedly do while they're in office. It also seems like the 25th Amendment is never going to happen and was never going to happen. But you, you've you always thought it would be better to just impeach him than yeah. remove him by the 25th. Yeah, it turns out that that's a pretty crappy amendment. <laughs> it was badly written. There's a lot of argument about how you use it. It relies on the president's own, you know, allies turning on it. They're not going to do that. You know, it, it's it's written for a different world in which uh, the Republican members of the president's cabinet would be principled. And uh, when we saw them resigning rather than use the 25th Amendment, I thought this thing is a waste. And I feel kind of like I've wasted a lot of time talking about it. <laughs> Bad amendment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so what do you see happening, Corey, in the final days of this administration? What, uh, how do you see this playing out? I mean, a lot of court watchers are bracing for some, you know, big, epic intra-federalist society clusterfuck that could determine whether Trump and, and future presidents can declare themselves immune from criminal investigations even after they leave the White House. Do you think the big story between now and when he leaves will be him trying to pardon himself? Or do you think, like I do, that he'll still resign to make sure he can get a safe pardon? If Pence does it, he is really, I mean, as bad as I think Pence is, after basically the president sent people to kill him, if the president resigns and Pence goes along with a plan to pardon him, he is the weakest sauce president, uh, uh, vice president in American history. And that's saying something because we had a vice president who killed Hamilton in a duel. We, we've had uh, Agnew, but uh, the idea uh, that 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 he'd go along with he's that ambitious. Really, he's ambitious. He's ambitious. He really be, thinks and he wants he wants that that constituency. He wants, he wants to, those guys that wanted to hang him to vote for him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He also would be an idiot because I don't think that you go from hang Mike Pence to vote for Mike Pence for president uh, just because he gave a pardon to your friend uh, or and the person you support. So. I disagree. I think these guys will do whatever their cult leader tells them to believe. That if he says it? Yeah. I think, too, you know, as I said before, going back to the other point, in 100 days, I think Trump is going to be so weak. Uh, any claim that he is immune after office um, well, I don't want to jump too quickly. Certainly, he's not immune for anything he did before or after he was president. So that's why the investigations that are going on in uh, New York or in, uh, in Manhattan or in New York State, uh, there is no, I mean, zero argument. I don't even think that the most ardent supporters of the president would, would make the argument. There's no argument for his immunity. What he could say, and I think he will say, and even though I don't think there's a valid argument, I think it's going to be interesting for us to watch is he's immune from the incitement because, well, he'll say it's free speech. That's the first thing. And we could talk about that in a future podcast. The other thing that he's going to, and it's not, it is incitement is distinctly not protected by the first amendment, but he'll say that he said not to hurt anybody. And so he didn't incite. He's protected as a matter of free speech. That's BS, but th that's an interesting, challenging legal question. And then the other interesting question is presidents are arguably immune, certainly from civil suit and maybe even from criminal action when it comes to uh, things that they did in their official duties of, as president. So if he made a decision to, you know, 
shut down an oil well and it blew up, he, he would probably be protected from criminal liability for that. Well, how about inciting an insurrection? He's going to say, well, I was protecting the election. <laughs> that was my official duty as president. <laughs> I was protecting us against a scam artist Democrat takeover. That was my duty as commander in chief. Now, of course, those are ridiculous arguments, but we've got a somewhat ridiculous Supreme Court. Will they go along with it? He's got one vote in Clarence Thomas. I, I'm hoping he doesn't have the other eight. <laughs> yeah, and I'm hoping he doesn't have that vote for much longer as well, too. Yeah. I mean, if Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny, was found to have been among the planners of this event, I mean, we know she funded it. We know she helped pay for the buses. How? I mean, look, Clarence Thomas is, seems to be above any kind of ethical standard. He, he just he reviews on things he has no place reviewing where he should recuse himself. But could that be the thing to finally put the squeeze on him and get him to uh, announce a Kennedy-esque early retirement at age 80? Retiring, I, we'd have to impeach him, remove him. And uh, Kavanaugh's first on my list. For Kavanaugh's that. first on my list. As well. <laughs> uh, honestly, we could impeach Kavanaugh. We could impeach Gorsuch as well. Let's just go and see. Amy Coney Barrett, for all of the for all of the fuckery, is the only Donald Trump Supreme Court nominee that actually has legitimacy to me. Yeah, I love it. How depressing well, is that, that? That gives us a lot to talk about. So I'm I'm pleased from that angle. <laughs> well, Professor, I thank you for giving so much time today. I know there's a lot going on, and obviously, it, you, John. we'd I love to have you back more often. It's not going to slow down anytime soon, and I look forward to uh, talking with you as we watch Joe Biden try to re repair all of our global alliances. It'll be a fun winter. Okay. I look forward to more conversation. And yeah, somehow I think these issues aren't going away. And, and, you know, it's been a hell of a four years, a terrible four years in some ways, but for me, it's been a pleasure because I've got to spend them ragging on Donald Trump with you. <laughs> well, the good news is there's going to be no shortage of bad guys in the years to come. Professor, what's the best way for our listeners and riffraff to follow you and your work? Well, I hope that people will go and read my book. Uh, it's part of the new Penguin Liberty series. It's called On Impeachment by Penguin Random House. Uh, you could read uh, the decisions and dissents of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And you could read my work at CoreyBrettSchneider.com or follow me on Twitter at BrettSchneiderC. It's always such a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, John. Did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are fraudulent? Many of them claim to have levels of filtration they don't meet, or worse, have literally no filtration at all. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face mask models that are tested in the U.S. by the NPPTL and authorized by the FDA. Buying a mask model that has been FDA authorized is the best way to ensure you and your family are getting true respirator masks. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency, and they can be reworn, making them a perfect choice, as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. Right now, the New Deal Shop Dot com has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with the anti-fake stickers on every single package. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free for our listeners by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. You can even get 10% off the clean phone UV sanitizer for just buying these FDA-authorized masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com and now get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com, code SEXYLIBERAL. I want to thank Professor Corey Brett Schneider as always and remind all y'all, please listen to our uh, SiriusXM show every night. 
Yeah, we're still on nights, Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. till midnight Eastern Time, 6 to 9 Pacific Coast, or listen to it the next day as a podcast on demand or on the SiriusXM app. It's right there. Uh, Hope Hicks has now left the White House. Hope Hicks has left Trump more than Trump has left wives. And uh, the Trumps, Hope Hicks, never know what Hope Hicks knows about the Trumps. I'm John Fugel saying thank you, thank you, thank you to uh, Jen Hagerty, as always, to uh, Chris Lavoy and all the talented professionals at the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. We got a lot of great ones coming up. And in the next couple of uh, podcast episodes, we'll have conversations with Jane Lynch and Kathy Griffin and uh, Congressman Ted Liu and Gilbert Gottfried and many, many more. So thank you guys so much. The next couple of days are going to be like the last week of Nixon meets the last act of Scarface. Remember, they've been proven wrong. It's only going to get worse. You were never crazy. You made it through. Congratulations. Lindsey Graham is a human barnacle that needs to find a new dinghy. It's all going to be okay. Just, just if I could ask you one thing, please, 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 don't ever forget. Don't let the fact that Trump is the first president to be impeached twice distract from the fact that he also lost the popular vote twice. Happy impeachment, guys. Jim Jordan molested the truth while the GOP looked the other way. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe to all the shows on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. See my stuff. We're starting to sell merch again at johnfugelsang.com. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful year, folks. Let's get shit done in 21. Peace. You know what I hate? When your social media pops up with a summer vacation pic from like five years ago and it's great memories, but then, ugh, when did the wrinkles and the bags around the eyes show up? Delete, delete. Well, not this summer. How about no more pop-up pics with deep wrinkles, fine lines, and bags under the eyes? And I'm not talking about surgery. I'm talking about Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags, all in the comfort of your home in minutes. Plexiderm goes on clear, lasts for hours, so nobody will know your secret. I tried it and I look like me, just younger, healthier, better rested. The results will blow you away. Get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer in the mirror and in photos. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Again, visit tryplexiderm.com and use code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or a $14.95 95 trial pack when you use code VOICES.